0: Hallelujah! Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52. And I, I want to talk today, actually the next few weeks, about the cross. Not in a way maybe that you would think, but I want us to see the cross all through the Old Testament. I want us to see the cross all the way through the Tanakh. And I want to be talking about that for the next couple of weeks. See, I I believe in the centrality of the cross. And when I say the cross, I don't mean a symbol. That's not at all what I mean by the cross. And there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misinformation about what the cross is. The cross is the life, ministry, ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Yeshua HaMashiach. That's what I mean by the cross. It's not just a tree or a symbol, but in my opinion, one of the greatest and most transformative events in human history, really. But it's also very misunderstood. Yeshua didn't suffer the humiliation and the pain of the cross just to keep us out of hell and to take us to heaven. You know, this is part of what we were talking about even this week at the conferences. So many think that, you know, and, it, and part of it, the, the understanding of the gospel is that gospel is the good news, we receive it, we repent of our sins, and then we live our life and then we go to heaven. We're missing what the kingdom is all about. We miss the deeper meanings of what the cross is all about. So I want to talk about that today. And you know that the Jewish people, if you turn to to Isaiah, and we're going to start in Isaiah 52, verse 13. But Isaiah 53, Isaiah 52, 53, and 54 are actually very controversial among the Jewish people. It's part of their scriptures. But you know, it's not in the, uh, the Torah. It's not in the, the Haftarah readings. And a lot of people think, oh, they purposely don't put it in the Haftarah readings. Well, we don't know that for sure. The the reading cycle for the Haftarah, when I say the Haftarah, I am talking about, you know, along with reading the Torah portion, which we do every week, the Haftarah is the, the prophets. And every Shabbat, In the synagogues, not only is the Torah read, but also a portion from the prophets, the Haftarah. That goes along. Sometimes it's very similar to the Torah. And Isaiah 53, 52, 53, 54 are not part of that. And some will say, aha, they're trying to hide who the Messiah is. That's not it. We don't know that for sure, because there's only 54 readings of the Torah throughout the year. So not every chapter and book in the of the prophets is part of the reading but there is a lot of controversy I was watching a video this morning I didn't bring it in because it's about a 10 minute and it's all in Hebrew so you have to read the subtitles but um, Jewish voice ministry was in Israel and they were interviewing Israelis and many orthodox and they were asking them to read Isaiah 53 and most of them were not familiar with Isaiah have you seen this It's it's incredible. I encourage you to go on there. It's a Jewish voice um, video, and it's in Hebrew, but there are subtitles. You can read along with it. And they're going to people, Orthodox, many Orthodox, and asking them to read portions, and it's not familiar to them because it's not read on a regular basis in the synagogues. And it talks about who Yeshua is. It's probably, of all the chapters in the Tanakh, it's probably the most revealing about who the Messiah is. And, and so when they start reading it, they're going, who are they talking about? Because they're obviously talking about a person, but then many of the, 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 the Orthodox Jewish communities, they don't read it as talking about the person, but they they talk they say, well, it's not talking about a person, it's talking about Israel, the servant being Israel. Israel. And yet, if you read the scriptures, and we're going to be reading that over the next couple of weeks, you'll see it couldn't be talking about a nation or a people group, but a single person. So we're going to be looking at that and, and uh, having some fun with it, but it is so important. So I want us to read these chapters. So if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 52, starting in verse 13, and I'm just going to read through verse chapter 53, verse 5 today. But we're, we're gonna do the we're gonna cover all of chapter 53. Verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was disfigured more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths. Because of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will perceive. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no no form or, or majesty that we should look at him, nor beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom, our peace, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. That is a powerful, powerful portion of Scripture. All through the Old Testament, the Tanakh writings, the cross is revealed, but not the specific timing. And even Peter talks about that in 1 Peter. He says, you know, we knew that this was going to take... We just didn't know the, the, the exact time of the Messiah's coming. The cross is the very power of God. Please, get it out of your mind that it's just a symbol of Christianity. It's the very power of God. And it's revealed thoroughly in Isaiah chapter fifty-two, fifty-three. If we don't embrace, if we don't understand, if we don't have revelation of the cross of Yeshua, how can we understand the power and authority of God? Paul, basically he said, my whole ministry is based on Yeshua and Him crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses one and two, it says, when I came to you brothers and sisters, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the mystery of God. For I decided not to know about anything among you except Yeshua the Messiah and him crucified. That was the message of the Apostle Paul. Paul was the most learned man. But he chose to put aside all of his Instruction, all of not not to put aside and say, well, you know, just empty his mind, but choosing to put aside the intellectual arguments, and probably nobody could debate better than Paul. But he says, Man, I just want to proclaim Yeshua and him crucified, the cross. The cross is the entirety of Yeshua's life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. To Paul, the cross was the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So let's start looking at Isaiah chapter 52. And we're going to read the, in, in verses 13 through 15. And a lot of what I'm reading today is taking from the ancient Targums. Anybody ever heard the term Targums. Targums are ancient commentaries of the Tanakh that give insight into Jewish thought. They amplify the Hebrew scriptures. In verse 13, I'm going to read verse 13. It says, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. In Targum, Jonathan, Jonathan, Yonatan writes, this is is the interpretation of that verse in the Targum. Quote, behold, my servant Messiah shall be exalted. See, it's not in the, the, the manuscript that I have here. It says my servant will prosper, but he says it. He says, my servant Messiah shall be exalted. And I believe that Yeshua had this in mind when he said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And as I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. Now, drawing up can have a couple of meanings. Be lifted up has a couple of meanings. Possible meanings is to be crucified because that's exactly what happened. When, When somebody was crucified, and crucified wasn't just something that was invented for Yeshua. It had been practiced by the Romans and others for hundreds of years before that. And there was they were brought to a place outside of the city, and they had a crossbar, and they were actually lifted up onto the onto the to the center beam. So lifted up. But another meaning was that also ascended, ascended into heaven. Could have both, and I think both apply here. But he also uses the term servant. My servant, my servant Messiah will prosper. The word "servant" is translated as a worshipper. Is a worshipper. The obedience is the essence of worship. Choosing to put what is worship? You know, we have worship, and we have our worship service. And some people, hey, you okay, bro? Give him some water. Give this man. <laughs> Y'all know James. This is James. This is Divorce husband. I'm making a lot of noise up here, coughing. Drink some of that water. Say, you come over here, I'm going to put you on the spot now. But worship, (laughs) worship is not just singing songs. Love Love you too, bro. It's not just the singing of songs. That's part of it. But worship is so much more than that. Worship is choosing to put the object of your affection, the object of my affection, in the foremost place. In every circumstance, we have a choice to worship the problem or to worship the Messiah. Every situation, we have an opportunity to worship. You know, I come in this morning, you have six to eight people in here, and I'm like, my flesh is a little discouraged, you know? But I said, you know what, I'm going to choose to worship the Messiah. It's not about numbers. It's not about any of that. But choosing to worship, we all have a choice. And that's why I really believe that a a key to really growing intimacy with the Lord is worship. Because it involves my embracing it. I have to take steps. I I choose to worship or not to worship. Every circumstance, every situation, we have that choice to worship the problem or the Messiah. And we see that Yeshua, our Messiah, he is a worshiper. He obeyed even to the point of death on a tree. He only said what the father told him to say. That is a worshiper. Father, what do you want me to do? Early in the morning, he'd get up and spend time with his father. His father would speak to him. He would only do what the father told him to do. That is the essence of a worshiper. That is the essence of a worshiper. That is the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah, the servant. Even to the point of death on a tree. Did he struggle with that? When he knew that the time would come. Father, if this cup can pass. But he knew what he came to do. He came to die. He came to suffer. He came to to take our sins upon himself, our sicknesses upon himself. He knew what his mission and his vision was. That doesn't mean that this body, this flesh doesn't go, I don't want to do this. If there's any way, if there's another way that this can take place. But because he was a worshiper, he submitted to his father. He is our example of a worshiper. In verse 14, Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was disfigured more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Yeshua wasn't just crucified on the cross. He received a beating, a scourging before the crucifixion to the point that his body, his whole, his body was disfigured. Couldn't even be recognized You've probably heard messages about what he had to go through. The beatings from the Roman guards, the scourging, the whips, and all of that. His body was torn apart even before he went up to Golgotha. It had to be done. He was standing in our place, taking our punishment for the sin we deserved. And see, When we read that verse, it's talking about somebody whose very appearance was appalling, disfigured more than any man. And there's a reason for that. You see, sin, and he took our sin upon himself, repulses God. As it marred his body, sin destroys what is holy and in God's likeness within us. And it's pictured right here in the Tanakh, in Isaiah. And we see, if we get that picture of Messiah, he didn't look like this person right over here that we see hanging up there. I don't know if he looked like that anyways. But he was totally disfigured because he had was carrying our punishment and our sin and our disease upon himself. In the next verse, 15a, in the first part of 15, it says, So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. This verse is used and understood as a ceremonial cleansing through the blood, even for the goyim, for the nations. We heard that this morning. There was a a sprinkling of the blood that took place when the covenant was made and the animals were slaughtered, there's a sprinkling of a blood. And so this was used in that many nations would be sprinkled, and le- leaders leaders would, would, would come, and their mouths would be shut because of him. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, According to the no- foreknowledge of God the Father, he's set apart by the Ruach for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Yeshua, the Messiah. There's power in the blood of Yeshua. There is wonderful, working, wonder-working power in the blood of Yeshua. Ironically, this verse also is the reason that Israel despised the Messiah, would despise the Messiah, because the Gentiles would accept the Messiah. Because the Gentiles that accepted the Messiah saw God's faithfulness to the promises for Israel. It's, it's kind of ironic that the very prophecy, it says that Israel will despise the Messiah, but the nations will receive the Messiah because of God's faithfulness to Israel. And yet the people of Israel, for the most part, not everyone, there's a righteous remnant, they despised and they rejected the Messiah. And we see this truth also in Isaiah 49, verse 7. Thus says Adonai, the Redeemer of Israel, the Holy One, to the one despised, to the one the nations abhors, to a, to a servant of rulers, kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of Adonai who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And we, we see this also in Romans chapter 11 because Paul asks the question, I say then God has has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. But you see, there was a popular opinion among the Jewish people, many of the Jewish people during the day of Yeshua, that, that, uh, that Israel was being rejected. And there is even today a, a popular opinion in replacement theologies and other theologies that, that Israel is done. That, that God is through with the Jewish people because they rejected the Messiah. And yet God says, I have never and will never reject my people. Very important for us to understand that. You know, I thought a few years ago, you know, nobody, nobody would really believe replacement theology. Especially when they see Israel as a nation today where it is. But yet it is it's still around. And you know what? That replacement theology, I believe it's even growing in some ways. So we're going to go into chapter 53 now. And the first line in there says, Who has believed our report? And this is a, ref- a reference to, again, Yeshua in John chapter 12, verse 37. It says, But even though he had performed so many signs before them, they weren't trusting in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Adonai, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of Adonai been revealed? You see, as they were looking at Yeshua's life during his time, and they would say, Oh, this is what Isaiah 53 is all about. This is what the prophet was talking about. Who has believed our report? Blinded eyes refers to unbelievers among the Jews and many religious leaders of the day. In, in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says, let their eyes be darkened so they do not see. We also see in, in Romans chapter 11, it says that there's a partial hardening that comes upon the Jewish leaders of the day. But not all. There's a righteous remnant where the arm of the Lord Occurs and, and they receive that arm of the Lord. What is the arm of the Lord? It is when Israel receives salvation by faith. The arm is a symbol of strength and a symbol of power. It amplifies the promise of a coming Messiah, the arm of Adonai, the right hand of God. Talking about the Messiah, Yeshua, talking about a man. In verse 2, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nor beauty that we should desire him. It's a picture of Yeshua's humanity. That also it's a picture of Israel's spiritual condition at the time of Yeshua's first coming. There was a righteous remnant, but most would be considered dry ground. And here's this, this root out of dry ground. And it's interesting because Yeshua is is, is the root of Jesse. Um, the root of Jesse, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. It says, it will also come about in that day that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will seek him and his resting place will be glorious. So this root out of dry ground could compare to the root of Jesse where the nations will seek him. Yes. I believe so. I believe so. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of debate on that. A lot of, and I believe that they were, uh, Gamaliel, probably more evidence that, you know, he later on in, in Acts, talks about him, and I believe that they were believers. So there were, there were even religious leaders of the days, Pharisees, who were coming to Yeshua and putting their faith in Yeshua. Good question. Think about it. What can grow out of dry ground? What grows out? Of, you're a farmer. Wheat. <laughs> But it does need some kind of water, doesn't it? No? <laughs> but not much can grow out of dry ground. But here, the root of dressy coming out of that that dryness of Israel at the time. Yeah. In verse 3, he was despised and rejected by man, by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The man of pain who knows intimately our grief. And our sickness. Let's compare this to what it says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 30. It's that they spat on him. And they took the staff and, and beat him over and over on his head. When they finished mocking him, they stripped the robe off of him and put his own clothes back on him. And they led him away to crucify him. See, this is all taking place even before he was put on the cross. So, he's familiar with whatever grief, whatever sickness, whatever pain you're experiencing. He knows. We need to have this revelation that Yeshua suffered anything that we might experience in life, even to those who've been sexually abused. Do you know that when a Jewish man was crucified, he didn't have a cloth, he was stripped naked before the people? That's sexual abuse. Yeshua experienced that in his life. I don't believe there's anything that we can experience in this life that he hasn't experienced. He can identify. He knows. He identifies with us. In verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. He was, Yeshua was, and still is. This This is still, was and still is fulfilled in Yeshua's ministry. Bore our griefs and carried our pains. This is his ministry. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. <clears throat> when evening came, the people brought to him many who were afflicted by demons. He forced out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So was fulfilled what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. A fulfillment of what was written. In the second part of that verse, yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. Literally, the Targum says, in the presence of the agony of the crucified, they recite his faults. Which means that the mob, while he was being crucified, were hurling insults at him in the midst of his pain and humiliation. If you're really the Messiah, you come down. You've saved others. Can't you save yourself? Hurling insults at him. in The presence of the agony of the crucified, they recite his faults. It brings a little bit more understanding to that verse, yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. Not only that, but the people were mocking him in his pain, in his humiliation. And we're talking about this this morning, I want to conclude with this in verse 5. It says, but he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, The chastisement for our shalom was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. There's a substitutionary atonement that is being prophesied here. We read this morning about the animals, the korban, the sacrifices at the temple and in the mishkan in the wilderness. Temporary, had to be repeated year after year after year. But here we have a picture of... That's going to be one sacrifice for all, all time. A substitutionary kippur, atonement. Four times in that one verse, he and we are compared. He and we. Two times, he suffered for our sins. He suffered for your sins, Mary, for my sins. He was pierced. He took what we deserved. That was our punishment we deserved in him. Every sin, every iniquity was put on him. This is why God had to turn his face from his own son. It turned dark, literally turned dark that day. His own son on that cross taking your sin, my sin, affliction, sickness, everything upon him. He didn't deserve it. He, we, the comparison. He took what we deserved. Only the Messiah could do that. That's what that scripture, verse 5, if only the Jewish people would see this. It's not talking about the nation of Israel. It's talking about the promised Messiah, the servant Messiah. He was pierced because of our transgressions. Matter of fact, it says in Zechariah that we will see his piercings and we will mourn the people of Israel. will see that. And two times it also presents us with the results of his suffering. Doesn't just talk about him taking our, our sins and our punishment and our sickness upon him, but he presents us with his results. The results of his suffering is what? Our peace, our shalom, and our healing. Because that's the result of him doing what he did. And it's all right there in Isaiah chapter 53. Would you stand with me? We prepare to go into a time of worship. Only the Messiah Yeshua can bring shalom to us. It wasn't just a mere man. It wasn't just the sufferings of Israel. But it was the promised Messiah Yeshua, the servant of God, the son of God, who did this for us to bring our peace and our shalom. That's why when we talk about peace plans and bringing peace and praying for the peace of Israel, which we are commanded to pray for the peace of Israel, there's only one lasting true peace, shalom, and that is the knowledge of Yeshua in that place and with his people. Amen? Amen. So important. This is why also we pray for people to be healed. I absolutely believe God still heals. As a matter of fact, it says right here in the verse before, it says that, and by his stripes we were healed. No? We are healed. There is a tense there. We are healed, and we are in the process of being healed. Now, there's a miraculous healing Would God can just do it immediately, I've had those take place, but I've also been involved in the process of healing where you pray and you pray and you stand in your healing and then it's a process that takes time and God brings that. And it's all in Yeshua. It's all in Yeshua. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we read in the Tanakh and we read the scriptures and they talk about you, they talk about your faithfulness, they talk about your mandate to come to take our sin upon Yourself. To suffer the humiliation, the pain, the scourging, the beatings. Just the mocking in itself. Just the mocking. And I'm just reminded of the words of Yohanan, the immerser. When he saw Yeshua walking to the river and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Matter of fact, the If you look back at Isaiah chapter 52, the heading before verse 13 says, the fourth servant song, the Lamb. Yochanan says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh man, there could have been another way. He just could have done his life, ministry, died an old man, and then when he died as an old man, just taking our sins away. No, he had to suffer he had to suffer and take all of our sins, past, present, and future upon himself. That's what the cross is all about. The cross isn't a new concept that starts in Matthew. It's been all through the scriptures. Actually, starting with Genesis chapter 3, we see the cross being prophesied. And we see the reality of the cross in these chapters. Oh, Father, I pray that the, the reality of the work of the cross would be in our hearts, Lord God. In such a way, Father, that would be transforming. Because if nothing else, the word of the cross, the word of Messiah is transformative. If it's just intellectual, we've missed it. Father, I pray that each and every one of us, that the work of the cross would transform our lives. And Lord, that that message of transformation, the reality of transformation would would go to our families and to our cities, Lord God. Lord, we've got enough seminaries. We've got enough Bible colleges. We've got enough churches that, that, that preach things. But, Lord, the reality of Yeshua and him crucified, just that's what Paul said. This is all I'm going to share is, is I will say nothing but Yeshua and him crucified. That is the message that we need to hear today. And you know, Yeshua said, take up your cross and follow me. You say, what does that mean? We have to die. We have to die daily. When we say yes to Yeshua, we're basically agreeing, we're coming into an agreement with his death. Matter of fact, when I say yes to Yeshua, literally being put on the cross with him, when he died, I died. But guess what? When he was resurrected, I was resurrected. That's why I can say that. You know what? Keep seeking the things above where Christ Messiah is seated at the right hand of Father. Guess what? We've been lifted up and we are seated with him in heavenly places because of the cross of Messiah. So, Father, I pray that this reality would become our reality today. Father, that we would just say thank you, Lord, that you took my sin. You took my Sickness, you took my punishment upon yourself so that I can live, so that I can have that shalom and I can have that healing. And Lord that I can take that healing to the nations. It's not just for us. But if you've experienced that, you can take that to the nations. You could pray for your neighbors. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. We're gonna continue. Looking at Isaiah 53 for the next couple of weeks. I just wanted to share this. And I want us to have a time of worship. And I know that Lynn has been struggling with her her voice all week. And uh, she said, You could preach a little bit longer today. (laughs) But I want us to have a time of worship. But this is also a time where we take up our tithes and offerings here at Orchaim. And I just want to encourage you, we have two baskets up here is be faithful in your giving. And this is, you know, the tithe belongs to him anyways. You just give back to him. When we're faithful in our giving, God just opens the floodgates of heaven and we're just blessed with overflowing abundance in our own lives. So I want to encourage you as you give unto the Lord, give you know, to him and just... Uh, Thank you, Lord, for for who you are and your faithfulness. We bless you in Yeshua's name. Let's give unto the Lord and let's worship him.
1: As I need, I need a hallowed cry. Let's
2: close your eyes and let's worship him and give him all of our hearts this morning. As
1: I need.
2: Lord to you completely to give you honor to exalt the name of your son Yeshua Lamb of God
0: That there's somebody here today that wants to share or needs to share something about the worthiness of the Lamb in their life. And I just want to give opportunity. If there's somebody here that just wants to proclaim that, so. I'll, d- I'll just say that um, there's something I'm dealing with and week by week i need i i need something to to bring against this 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 thing this this fortress this obstacle and and week by week the lord gives me something i mean even even just sitting here now he's he's been giving me things for my next my next session in this in this struggle and you know I, I praise him for that. He he knows the need, he, he answers the need. Lord, we thank you that you are worthy, Lord, for David's situation, Lord. We don't even need to know what it is, but Lord, we just know that you are giving him the things that he needs for for that day. For whatever it is, Lord. And I thank you for the faithfulness that who you are, Lord God. We just, we just speak your encouragement over David today, Lord, and healing, continued healing over Laura. Lord, just go before him, Lord. Just be the light unto his path. He said, you know, just as you step out in the last thing that I spoke to you, and this is what the Father is saying to you, as you... Step out in obedience to the last thing I spoke to you. He will give you enough light for the next thing. So, Father, I just thank you for that light upon David's path and the light upon all of our path. Bless him, Lord, Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Just want to share something? And just... Thank you.
2: through, but I do know one thing, that your biggest weapon and what will bring you victory is worship, and I just feel that in my spirit, and I just want to offer that to you, so that's all I have to say. Cause I have struggled with a lot of things since our daughter died, and, and I didn't realize that there were still a lot of things that I was struggling with. And uh, I went to the doctor af- after the Saturday that I completely lost all memory of any number in my life when I was here at Onig. It was like I didn't know what year I'd been born, I didn't know what year it was, everything. The numbers just left. I didn't know my password for my computer, nothing. I didn't know how long time I'd been married or how old he was. So I went to the doctor that week, and she said, do you have any stress in your life? And I thought, well, I'm dealing with stress pretty well. I mean, you know. She said, well, you know, you're on Medicare, and we have a new program, and the new program is paid for by Medicare, and you can go to a, a therapist. And I thought, OK. I just felt good about it, and I said, Lord, I don't know if this lady is a Christian or she's not, or a believer of any kind, but I'm strong enough. I I need some help. And so I went to see her, and we instantly bonded. And I told her, I mean, I, I spewed it out. It wasn't pretty, some of the stuff that came out of my mouth. And when I got all done, I said, do you get tired of listening hour after hour to what people say to you? And she said, she just smiled at me, and she said, "Oh no, when God gives you a gift, He gives you what you need to operate in that gift." And that was a gift. Well, every time I go, I've gone three times to her, and every time she gives me yet another nugget that I can hang on to. And I, I had uh, written a speech, and I read it to her, and. She said, okay, so tell me something about your walk in cancer. And I said, well, I just told the Lord that if I was going to do whatever it was, that I wanted to be able to help other people. I feel like that's what I was put on this earth to do. And I explained to her a little bit about how I talked to one guy about not making his wife the disease. I said, it's like when somebody has an alcohol problem and you want to call him an alcoholic. No. No. That's not it. I don't want to be a cancer patient. I want to be a, a victorious woman of God. And she said, okay. And, and, of course, a lot of my dealings have been with our son-in-law. Um, That's the long story, and some of you know. But anyway, she said, okay, Mary, I want you to look at Michael the way God looks at Michael. Like what you're talking about, not looking at somebody as an alcoholic. She said, what is the word that comes to your mind when you think of him? And I had to think of him a minute, and I said, bully. And she said, okay, now I'm going to challenge you to take that word out of your vocabulary, and you look at him how God looks at him in love. I can tell you that has just changed the atmosphere of who I am and how I suffer. I can do this and I can do it and leave him with the Lord and let God be God in his life and I can love on him like I have not been able to since she died. Sorry that was so long, but I had to That's
0: good, Good you are That we're to to just join together with me. Ta- Yeshua made a way to enter that Holy of Holies by His own blood. What an awesome truth that is. Access to the Holy of Holies. Access to the Father through Yeshua's blood. Lord, I just pray that each of us would have the boldness to walk through, to walk into that place. It's a scary place because it's a place of change. You come face to face with a living God. You can't be the same after that. But that's a challenge to us, to walk through that place. Walk through that curtain that's been torn. The way's been made Need to walk through amen, amen. let's we'll speak a, con- a blessing over the congregation this morning this afternoon and the speaking of this blessing we know that he puts his name upon us because he is worthy God spoke to Moses to speak to the priests. And when the children of Israel would gather, wherever they were, that you were to speak this blessing over them, to put my name upon them. He wants to do that today. Adonai, <laughs> vishma Ya Adonai I don't I
1: Adonai Pano
0: Jah you and keep you. The Lord would make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord would lift up His countenance upon you and give you His shalom. His face would just be upon you and you would know that His face is upon you. His grace would be upon you. His mercies, His blessings, His ways would be in your heart. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Amen, amen bless you shavua tov have a wonderful week and just um be in prayer this week for those who are there's many of us who are first of all a little report on area how's area doing